Episode 77, I think, Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Honey. As always, of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. See, that's what happens when you're doing two a week, three a week, whatever it is. Look at us. All of a sudden, we have no idea what episode it is. Every time I go, that's how much, I'm, that's how hard I've been working with this podcast. I don't even know what episode it is anymore. Every single time, I'm like, I, I lose count. There's just so much content. And thank God now we have so much to talk about. Because as you know of last year, every Friday, Saturday, whatever it was, right now it's Friday, September 10th, we do the preview of the upcoming Giants game. And it begins again. Week 1 in two days, Sunday, September 12th. 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a little bit less than 48 hours until the Giants take on the Broncos at MetLife Stadium. But before we get to that, I want to talk about something non-Giants related. And I understand. This is a Giants podcast. I get that. I I, I think I'm aware. I started this, if you you weren't already aware, two years ago almost. But uh, my name is on the logo, as I've said before. Like the Wide Right Podcast logo. So... I tend to just do whatever the hell I want here, so that's what I'm going to do right now before I get into some giant stuff. I've said this before, maybe not publicly, but I've, I've, I've spoken about this topic before. I think one of the dumbest things in the NFL just in general are fans who don't believe in Dak Prescott. I get it. I don't know. I don't know if Giants fans listening to this want me to hype up a division rival quarterback. I get it. I understand. I apologize because I'm going to do it anyway. The fact that if there were, I tweeted about this last night. Were there people that didn't think Dak was worth the money? That big four-year contract he finally signed this offseason, this past offseason rather? Because I really, truly hope there weren't people that thought that. I really hope there weren't people that weren't like, oh, they overpaid for Dak. They overpaid for their franchise quarterback. They overpaid for their top five quarterback, in my opinion, after last night. They, they overpaid for their quarterback who was not fully healthy last night and still completed 42 of 58 passes for 403 yards and three touchdowns against the Super Bowl champs. I hope people didn't think that Dak wasn't worth the money. Guys, he is phenomenal. And I think there people truly underestimate the number of teams in this league that would rather have Dak as their quarterback than their current situation. I'm sure the Washington football team would rather have Dak on their team than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Same with the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Maybe the same with the Giants and Daniel Jones. There are so many teams that would probably rather have Dak Prescott over their current quarterback situation. And I just said, after last night, I think he's top five. 
No particular order. Him, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. So I would say the only teams in this league that would not that would rather have their current quarterback situation over Dak are those four other teams, Seahawks, Green Bay, uh, Kansas City, and Buffalo, and then teams that have good to great quarterbacks that are still on rookie deals. Like, for example, Arizona or Baltimore. Not all of them, though. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield's still on a rookie deal. Who knows when he's signing this extension that he's supposed to get. But I'm sure the Browns would rather have Dak Prescott over Baker Mayfield. Heck, if Dak Prescott was in Cleveland, that's a Super Bowl contender, 100%. I'm not sure if Cleveland's a Super Bowl contender right now. I think they're a playoff team just like they were last year. I think they'll probably they'll possibly win the division. They're going to have to get through Baltimore to do that. But if Dak is on that Cleveland team, that's a Super Bowl contender. That's a team that gives Buffalo problems. That's a team that gives Kansas City problems. And Tennessee. Certainly Buffalo. Excuse me, certainly um, Baltimore. Certainly Pittsburgh. I don't want to hear any more Dak slander. And I know that's weird saying that to giant fans who listen to this. Or, you know, if any Washington or Philly fans listen to this. But obviously it's mostly giant fans. I don't think I have to explain why that's the case. I don't want to hear any Dak slander. Not even fully healthy. Coming off the ankle injury. Got the shoulder injury. You heard Adam Schefter talk. He said he might not be 100% all year. 42 of 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns. So good. Cowboys believed in him enough to not run the football a lot with Zeke. Zeke Elliott got 11 carries. That's why every time I have a fantasy draft, I try to, I, I try to fade away from taking Zeke. If I have that sort of pick, if he's available at my first round pick. Because this isn't Zeke's team anymore. This is Dak's team. This is a passing team in a passing league. And when you have as great of a quarterback as Dak Prescott, you're going to pass the ball. And they did. 58 times. Career high. Last year in the four full games Prescott played before he got hurt, they threw 50.25 passes a game. That's insane. It's a passing league. This is Dak's team. And hey, this could be... I I hate to say it. They look good. Dallas. I mean, they hung in there all night. And the quarterback wasn't even fully healthy. Fantastic. I mean, this... I love... I Great game, too. Great game. I mean, I had Amari Cooper. 39.8 fantasy points. Not going to brag too much about that. But big night. Oh, I also had Ryan suck up in both leagues. I'm in two leagues. I can't go... I I can't do more than two. I can't do more than two fantasy leagues because then it's it's tough because it's too much to track. First of all, I have one I have a Yahoo league and an ESPN league. That's as hard as it you know, that's hard as it is because you gotta like it's different formats and apps and interfaces. It's you know, it's a shit show. But I, I can't do more than two. Like it's it gets too much. But I Ryan suck up the uh, Tampa Bay kicker in both my leagues, seven points for each, and then Amari Cooper, thirty nine point eight po- or excuse me, thirty eight point nine points. Whatever it was, a lot of points. Okay, good first night, not just for fantasy and for me, but for everybody. I guess except for Dallas fans who are heartbroken. Just great football, great football game. Brady looked good too. Hey, I'll give it to him. I mean, am I not gonna give it to him? I like it, it, it's like, am I gonna really doubt that he can win a game at this point? I mean, is anybody? He threw even he threw thirty-two for fifty-three, three hundred seventy-nine yards, four touchdowns. At how old is he now? 45? 44? I always forget. So, it's a great way to start the night. But, 
we're gonna um, we're gonna shift the gears to what we're actually here for, and that's Giants football. Because as I said, in less than forty-eight hours, there is a game, meaningful game, being played, MetLife Stadium, fans back in the house. That's right, fans, hundred percent capacity. After nobody was there last year, none. They're back. And they have the visiting Denver Broncos coming in. It's weird, like two years in a row, there's um, an AFC opponent coming in. Last year was Pittsburgh coming to MetLife, that Monday night game, remember? Remember Chris Fowler did it. and um, Or was it Reese Dave? It was, it was, it was, it was Herb Street did it. It was, it was the Monday doubleheader. But Pittsburgh came in last year, and now it's Denver. I assumed every three years ago it was Jacksonville. It's all these AFC opponents coming to New York to play the Giants first week. It was always Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. Every year, I felt like it was Giants, Cowboys, uh, 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time in Dallas on Fox, America's Game of the Week for some reason. Uh, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. But no, Denver coming through. Uh, I don't want to get too into statistics and last year's rankings because a lot changes from year to year, especially with Denver when they're going from one starting quarterback to another. Drew Locke, now Teddy Bridgewater, is a starter moving forward here in the job ahead of the regular season. So I don't want to go too much into statistics. I'm not going to look at how much they ran the ball last year past because it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a different quarterback. It's a different, I guess, era. Regardless, it's a bridge era for Denver. I mean, it, it, I don't think Teddy B is the long-term answer right now. He's a bridge quarterback to get them to... They're probably going to draft one next year in the first round. They have to. I mean, it's... it's Denver... I said this before. Denver pisses me off because they, they're too patient with their quarterback situation. They should have drafted one in the first... They should have drafted Justin Fields in the first round this year. You could keep Drew Locke. It's not like you're doing Drew Locke a dessert, but whatever. I shouldn't ramble on about it. I know it still annoys me. It shouldn't. I don't know why. I'm not a Denver fan. I've never even been to Colorado, but it annoys me. But I won't get into stats, but I will say that if they're going to win this game, the Giants are, they cannot give Bridgewater time at all. Because Bridgewater is not a proven starter anymore. He may have been with the Vikings back in 2014-2015 prior, prior to when um, the injury occurred. That's basically sat him out for the better part of two years. But he's not a proven, legitimate starting court quarterback in this league. There's a reason he's been on numerous teams the last couple years. Went from New Orleans, and he went to Carolina last year. And there's a reason the Carolina dipped... Um, got rid of him after one year to go to Sam Darnold, who's another unproven starter in this league. He's not a proven starter anymore. You can't give him time. You got to get in his face. He's got numerous good weapons. Look at Cortland Sut- Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant. He's got good weapons on this team. You know, Melvin Gordon, the guy that they drafted um, Hawkins. You know, they can't, they can't let him get any sort of, they can't let him have any sort of time. You have to rem, oh, Javante Williams, excuse me, that was the name I was looking up. Not Javian Hawkins, that's my error, Javante Williams. But regardless, they can't give him any time in the pocket. These weapons are good. 
That's what I keep saying every year. Denver, the only piece they're missing is a quarterback. That's it. They have all these great weapons. Solid weapons. They have to render those weapons obsolete. They have to pressure Teddy Bridgewater. They have to get in his face. And they can't let him have any time to get the ball into the hands of these weapons. That's it. Stop the run with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Force them to throw the ball. That's when they'll make mistakes. Teddy B will make mistakes. As I've said numerous times in this episode alone, he's not a proven starting quarterback in this league. Get him to make mistakes. Have him throw the ball. Get in his face. Force him to screw up. That's it. They're not going against Patrick Mahomes. They're not going against Josh Allen, who of all the tangibles in the world, Teddy Bridgewater is not a, is 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 not them. Get in his face. Force him to make mistakes. And I'm confident that the Giants defense can do that. I know it's going to be tough to repeat the performance of last year, the Giants defense as a whole. Especially, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is gone now. And I think they'll start to realize at some point that that's a big loss. That was a big loss in free agency. But hey, I have all the confidence in the world that Patrick Graham is going to put these guys in the right position. And when it comes to rushing the passer, I have all the confidence in the world that he is going to utilize an effective edge rusher rotation that includes Aziz Ajilari, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, Cam Brown. He's going to utilize Leonard Williams the correct way when it comes to rushing the passer. And he's going to get some off-ball linebackers in the mix as well. Carter Coughlin, Tay Crowder, uh, Blake Martinez, obviously. I have no doubts that Patrick Graham is going to put this pass rush, these edge rushers, and these inside linebackers, Leonard Williams, and in the right positions to make plays when it comes to that area of the field. Because this, this, this secondary is great. At least on paper it is. The Giants one is. With Bradbury, with Logan Ryan, with Peppers, with Dory Jackson, who's questionable but should be good to go, we hope. Um, Xavier McKinney, Holmes, Julian Love. The secondary is great. It's loaded. But you can't put all the pressure on them. Because you can't, no matter who you are, you can't cover somebody for 10 seconds. You got to put pressure on the ball. That's why edge rushers are so valuable in this league. That's why they get paid a ton of money. That's why they're early round draft picks. Pressure Teddy Bridgewater, you should be golden. On the offensive side of the ball, we already have an injury. No, I'm not talking Saquon. He should be good to go. Joe Judge said before Friday's practice that he would be good to go barring a setback. And Saquon said there was no setback during Friday's practice. So as of right now, he should be good to go. Evan Engram, however, will not be good to go. Calf injury, he's sitting out the game. That's upsetting. Because I know it's one... It's one offensive weapon. And I know they have Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith. And I know people don't like Evan Engram because of the drops, the missed blocks, the overall on-field mistakes. But this offense is supposed to greatly improve. And Daniel Jones is supposed to take that leap and significantly develop and show he's the long-term face of this franchise and the long-term answer at quarterback. Because they have an abundance of offensive weapons now. And he has an abundance of targets. Talking not just Engram and Rudolph, obviously. You know who the targets are. We've talked about it all offseason. Galladay, Tony, Shep, Slayton, Barkley. John Ross, if he ever, you know, comes back from my R. Who knows? 
All these guys need to be healthy and on the field in order for the offense to truly unlock its full potential. And that's not going to be the case Sunday because Evan Engram is hurt again. Now, I'm not blaming Evan Engram at all. I'm just saying it's disappointing. Especially when you look at the uh, how he's had issues staying healthy in the first place. It, it just sucks. I know. I, it, it, it's, not, it's not his issue at all. It's not his fault. It's no one's fault. It just sucks. And it sucks that all these uh, all this talk about the offense, all offseason with all these weapons, now we're not going to see the entire slate until maybe week three. Who knows? Engram might not be ready until week three because there's a brief turnaround between week one and week two. Obviously, the week two game is on Thursday night next week. So he might not be ready for that game either. But it's tough. It's a disappointing situation. But regardless... Giants have to, they got to throw the ball still. They can't just let, since the Engram, they can't let this Engram injury define them. They still got to throw the ball. They still got to attack the secondary, regardless of how strong this defense is. Because the Giants aren't going to be able to run the ball every down, even if Saquon Saquon is back. He's probably going to be on a pitch count, believe it or not. Judging by the injury and judging by the fact that week two is four days after week one. He's going to be on a snap count. They're not going to be able to run the ball every play. They're still going to have to throw the ball downfield. They're still going to have to utilize Kadarius Tony in every which way possible that they can. They're still going to have to get the ball in the hands of Kenny Galladay considering they're paying, all the, paying him all this money. They got to throw the ball. And they got to see what Daniel Jones is able to do with all these targets that everybody has been talking about all offseason. That's the bottom line. They need to attack this defense early and often. They can run the ball still. I'm not saying they can't run the ball at all. They could still use Devontae Booker when they need to. I'm not sure Gary Brightwell will get a ton of carries if and if he gets any. But they could still utilize him. But they got to attack this Denver defense early and often. They can't just sit back and, you know, you have Saquon take the pressure off of Daniel and make sure Daniel... No. They have to attack him. That's it. They have to tire them out. That's it. Conduct long drives. Productive drives. Keep Denver's offense off the field. And I know Denver's offense isn't, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is not a quarterback where you're like, oh, we got to keep him off the field the majority of the time. It's not Patrick Mahomes, as I said earlier. But you got to keep that offense off the field. That was the issue with the Giants. It's not, it's, it, that's the issue with Jason Garrett's offense. It's, every drive looks the same. It's not, you know, they're not long drives. They're not creative drives. They're not, I no, it's not creative. It's not fun to watch, really. At least it wasn't last year. Sunday, that's got to change. Explosive plays down the field, downfield routes, not comeback routes for five yards. I don't want to see Daniel Jones targeting Kyle Rudolph 15 times on five, six-yard comeback routes. Or targeting Shepard a significant number of times on out routes to the sideline. Throw the ball downfield. Use your weapons. Use your per- Patrick Graham is so good at utilizing his personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Jason Garrett has to be as well on the offensive side of the ball. Use your weapons. 
You have numerous guys who are capable of putting together explosive plays. Use them. That's why Dave Gettleman went out and spent the money that he did on these weapons. To improve this offense and to load this offense with talent. Use it. Just do it. Pull out all the tricks. This offense has a reputation of being underwhelming. I mean, it was this offense was 31st in the league last year in points and yards. Gotta pick up the pace. Be creative. Be fun. Be eye-opening. Turn heads. Run explosive plays. Am I going to... You know I did this last year every time. And it never worked, really. But I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to use that reverse psychology. I feel like, did I do it last year or the year before? I might have, you know what it is? I've been doing this podcast for so long. We've been killing it for so long that I can't even remember which years I did which. You know? I don't even, if I could have done it last year. I could have done it the year before. Did I, I utilize the reverse psychology whenever I make my predictions. I'm going to say the Giants lose this game. I say it's... I say it's 24, Broncos 24, Giants 17. I say I say the Giants get two touchdowns across the board. I say one of them is because the defense made a big stop deep in their in the Broncos' own territory. You know, or turn they forced a turnover deep in the Broncos' territory, and so the Giants get an easy score after that. That's what I'll say. Of course, I'm utilizing the reverse psychology as I do, but we'll see how it works out. But regardless, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Obviously, as I said on Wednesday when we did our Best Bets podcast. By the way, we are two for three in last night's um, Buccaneers-Cowboys game. Two for three on the bets. I said, I believe, take over 52.5. Yeah, over 52.5. I said take the the over that game. The over, I I thought it was going to shatter. It did, obviously. The over did hit. I thought it was going to shatter. I believe the final score was, what, 31-29? So it, it, it beat it by 7.5 points. I thought it was going to shatter it. It was a little bit of a time frame when there was not as much scoring. But I said over 52, Tampa Bay money line minus 450. Those two hits, I did not get Tampa Bay minus 8.5. That line moved to 9, by the way, I'm pretty sure. That, that line moved to 9 because people were skeptical about taking it. They took the Cowboys, they took the underdog, and good for them. I mean, hey, you can't win them all. But we are 2 for 3 on those bets. Got the um, got the total, got the money line right, spread, whatever. You can't win them all. But thanks again for tuning in. Episode 77. Yeah, got it right. 77 of the Wide Right Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ryan Honey. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. That's at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. Listen to and subscribe to the Wide Right Podcast on wherever you get your podcast. Wherever. We're all platforms. Spotify, Apple, iHeart. Um, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, enjoy the game Sunday. I'll be back Sunday night or Monday morning, regardless of what. Yeah, Sunday night or Monday morning, still haven't figured it out. Uh, you know, But regardless, I'll be back to talk about that game, recap it, uh, and to talk about some news, some injury news, if there is any. Hopefully there isn't. Um, but yeah, talk to you guys in a few days, and um, see you then.